I waited months and months to hear anything. And finally, when I wrote, she would send back a one sentence reply of, it's fine, I'll let you know. Two years went by of that. Oh my goodness. And you can't get out of it because you're in a contract, right? Right. Well, in my contract, it was, if the book's not published within 12 months, I had the right to get out of the contract. So why did you choose to stay in it? Because I thought maybe it's just this one person. Mm. So I wrote to the the head of the publishing company and she immediately wrote back, oh, I'm so sorry. And she did start to get things moving right away. And so okay. then I was like, okay, that was it. It's fine. The problem is it didn't last long. <laughs> I'm so excited to have my friend Kevin on today on the podcast. He is a fantasy writer, and I'm excited to talk to him about his experience with being published with a smaller Christian publisher. And so I'm just, I'm so excited to get into the conversation with you, Kevin. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Before we dive in too deep, can you just share with our listeners a little bit more about yourself? I know this is not your day job. You actually have another full-time gig, so you you want to talk a little bit about that and who you are and whatever else we need to know about you? Sure. Um, so I actually got my idea for my first novel while I was working um, as an interpreter in a school in Texas. Okay. And yeah, there were times like when the students were testing or something where they were doing some work on at their desks and there was a long period of time where I had nothing to do. And but I couldn't leave either. And so I would just sit there and daydream. Yes. And so I came up with the idea while I was daydreaming. Oh, that's so fun. (laughs) That's really cool. I'd like to read that story. I should write it. Right. So are you like naturally like a writer or are you, um, are you like, would you consider yourself a writer or you're like, oh, I got this idea. Let me write it down. Um, I have come to think of myself as a writer, but I originally didn't. I actually hated writing in school. Okay. Well, that's interesting. So you found yourself sitting here going, oh, I like the story idea. Let me write it. Did it flow out of you naturally or was that part of your journey? That was part of the journey. Um, I started and I started badly. I had no clue what I was doing. Um, so the first thing I did, I just, the first idea I had was for kind of the climax of the story, how it was going to end. And I kind of engineered it backwards from there. Okay. Who are the characters involved? How did they get to this point? And so on. So I got to a starting point and then I just started writing. Mm. My first mistake was that I tried to edit each chapter as I wrote it. Mm -hmm. And I got so bogged down. (laughs) Perfectionism. Perfectionism will kill creativity any day. Absolutely. Absolutely. I got through chapter seven and then I just gave up on it. Mm. And like for 10 years, I didn't even think about it. Wow. Okay. Yeah. 10 years later, I was cleaning up an old computer and found it on the hard drive, found the file on the hard drive. Oh, like, this old Like story. you just put it down and you completely forgot about it. Totally. Oh my totally. God. Okay. And, and I opened it up and like, I should finish this. Mm. So then I just said, okay, I'm just going to write it till I'm finished. So that's what I did. I wrote it till I finished. And of course it was a mess. 
Um, anytime you pants something all the way through, it's going to be a mess. You're going to have story I'm threads that they totally go guilty. nowhere. So yep. <laughs> you have to go and clean it up. Yep. The problem is I had no idea how to clean it up. I had never studied writing. You were interpreting. Is that what you do now or what do you? what's your job now? In, interpreting is a hobby. Now. I started out, my career went all over the place. I actually went to seminary. And while I was at seminary, there were deaf students there and interpreting in the chapel every morning. And I thought, that's so beautiful. I'd like to learn that. So I learned to interpret. Okay. And then I was going to be a missionary, but my support fell through. So then I started interpreting instead in public schools Mm. for deaf students. But that didn't pay very much. Yeah. And so eventually I came into some debt through medical bills and I needed some more income and computers had always been a hobby of mine. And a friend of mine said, Hey, my company's hiring software developers. Okay. And they just give you a a basic aptitude test. And if you pass that, they'll train you for everything you need to know. So then I got into software development and that's actually what I do now. Okay. So you, you definitely did not have any kind of experience of writing before this. Absolutely not. (laughs) Okay. Other than maybe a paper or two in seminary school, right? Right. Exactly. (laughs) Which I hated. The writing part. Okay. So after you decided I needed, I need to do something with this, this is a mess. How did you go about getting it to where now it's published and it's behind you on your bookshelf? I can see it. So how did you get there? Okay. So first I tried Mm self-editing and I, I really had no idea about developmental editing or story flow or any of those things. I just did technical line editing. Mm-hmm. And then I hired an editor to look at it for me. The problem is this is, was at a time when I was still very poor and I couldn't afford to pay for full services. So I, right. I paid her what I could mm-hmm. and she looked at it and she sent it back and she said, you didn't pay me enough to fix this. She said it very <laughs> nicely. She, she phrased it a lot better than that. Basically it was, you didn't pay me enough to fix this, but she Gotta very love kindly, the Odyssey. <laughs> yes. She very kindly gave me an overview of some of the major issues. To work. Okay. The problem is I didn't know enough to be able to use her advice effectively. Mm. So where that really came into play was just um, six or seven years ago when I moved to Seattle. Um, I wanted to continue my writing, but I knew I needed to learn more. I searched on, on meetup.com for Hmm. local critique groups. And I found one that was specifically sci-fi fantasy critique group. So I joined that group and it was amazing. Okay. You get all kinds of things when you do critique groups. You know, some groups are great and some groups are not really helpful. It really depends on the, like the focus or not the focus, but the, um, the commitment of the people who are in the group to improving craft. Like if yes. you get a group of writers who are committed to improving their craft, you, it's amazing what can come out of that. Absolutely. So, so the lady that, that kind of led this group was very dedicated and she not only would give feedback, she would link resources. Nice. So here's some books, here's some articles, here's some, you know, YouTube mm-hmm. videos that talk about how to strengthen these parts that I'm commenting on that you need work on. Mm-hmm. That was so helpful. Right. I I didn't even submit very much of my book to the group. Okay. I, I submitted a couple of chapters, 
Um, there was a limited word count that you could submit because mm-hmm. you only have so much time. Right. Um, but I learned so much just from hearing them critique each other. Yes. Yes. And reading their work and seeing, okay, here's what other people are saying about this work. And I can see I do this or, you know, things like right. that. And, yeah. started, and then I started looking up some of the resources that she had given, given you. To us. Yeah. Yes. And really started learning craft that way. And then I basically redid the whole, rewrote the whole book. Um, well, I, I mean, I you gotta, you gotta um, admire your tenacity that you are like, you continued to keep going at like you are committed to this story you're willing to put in the work like that's that's really impressive yeah I really I love the story mm-hmm. from the first time I thought of it I I fell in love with the story and I like I have to write this but I want to write it in a way that other people enjoy it mm-hmm. the way I enjoy it yes oh that's so key right there you wanted to write it in a way that other people could enjoy it and like that shift from Oh, I'm just going to write this story down because I enjoy it too. Mm-hmm. There's somebody that's going to be reading this and I want to make sure that it's an experience that they can fully immerse themselves into, not just get distracted by poor crafting of the story, right? You really wanted yes. to make it a, a true experience for them, the way that you were experiencing it in your own creative mind. Yes, absolutely. And and it helped, I'm sure it helped that I'm an avid reader and always have been. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody even knows when I started reading. It was sometime when I was two or three years old. Wow. Okay. My, my mother would read to me all the time. She would sit with me at a book and she would follow it with her finger as she read. And I just picked it up. Mm. One day she came in and I was sitting there with a book and she said, Kevin, are you reading that? <laughs> yeah. She pointed to her, what's that word? And I told her what the word was, picked another, what's that word? And I told her, what it was. wow, he's really reading this. <laughs> That's awesome. So, and I always loved uh, fantasy and sci-fi. Mm. I read The Lord of the Rings. I don't even remember very, very early. It was, yeah. Now, Lord of the Rings, Narnia, all of the the big classic fantasy. I love those books too. They're so good. They're just so good, and they just have such a depth to imagery, symbolism, and character development. Yes, it's that they're just so good in the way that the authors convey all three of those. So I love the fact that you're committed to doing the same in your own novel. That's just so great. So once you kind of nailed down that craft, like obviously you must feel like you got to the point where you were going to that you had accomplished that in the story. Once you got to that point, what was your next step? The next step was letting a few people read it. Mm-hmm. kind of like beta readers, whatever test readers get their responses to it. See if there was anything I missed. Obviously I did show it to some people in my group who had time to look over it and I started working on pitch. Okay. And yeah, I signed up for a conference where I could meet with publishers and editors and I had looked up which ones I wanted to meet with and what they would were looking for and, you know, prepared all my material and, so did you have, did you have guidance and all that? Did you know what to do? Like, as far as like book proposal and how to pitch to another, did you get guidance about that before you, or were you kind of going into it blind? I got guidance for that through Hope Writers. Okay. Okay. I, I basically just, whenever I had something that I wasn't familiar with, posted a general question and helped somebody explain this to me. 
Yeah. And Hope Writers, for those who are listening who don't aren't familiar with it, it's an online writing community. So and that's another thing that I always tell people, like, get yourself in a writing community like that, where you have access to people who've gone down the road before you and you can ask them questions like like you're saying, like, I don't understand what this is. What is it that they're expecting from me? You know, and so then you can be prepared for an editor meeting or an agent meeting. Yes. So you decided to meet these. You decided who you're going to meet at the conference. And so were you meeting with a literary agent or an editor? I met with an acquisitions editor. Okay. Uh, In fact, she's the only one I met with. And she asked me to send a copy of the manuscript to their board, which Mm -hmm. is the board that does acceptance, accepts or rejects a manuscript. The pub board. Yeah, the pub board. Okay. So I did that. And sometime later, they sent back an offer for a contract. Oh, wow. Okay. So I was amazingly fortunate to get something that soon. Yeah. To not have to query more than one. Yes. I had done some querying before, but it was much earlier in the process where the writing was still not good and I got Mm -hmm. no responses. Okay. Which makes sense. Yeah. yeah, because it wasn't ready yet. Right, exactly. I had so to then figure she, that out. I know you and I have talked prior to this conversation, so I know that it's a smaller publisher. And did you do that on purpose? Did you meet with a smaller publisher? Like, was that an intentional decision? Or were you just more like, oh, I like kind of what other books they publish? Or like, what was your thought process behind who you picked to pitch to? Um, basically, oh, and I, I actually did send my manuscript. I did send a query to an agent okay, about the same time um, and didn't hear back from them. Um, but this particular publisher, I just looked through the list of who was going to be available at the conference. It was a, it was a Seattle conference mm-hmm. that I picked because it was local and I could go to it easily. Yeah. <laughs> And, it, you know, it was going to be my first conference, my first time right. pitching. I figured I'll just go and practice. I don't expect yeah. anything to come of it really, but I'll work on it and see how it goes and learn from it. That's so, a great um, attitude to have yeah. going into a conference. Yes. Yes, because you can always learn from it. Yes, you can. So I, I read basically the bio of, of each person that I could apply to get an interview with. And what they were looking for mm-hmm. and what kind of stuff they published. And I found of the ones on the list, there were two that were looking for what I had to offer. And was that specifically fiction and fantasy? Is that specifically? Like- yes. Okay. Fantasy, um, young adult. Mm-hmm. And although I didn't necessarily have to pitch it as young adult. It just, it kind of fits because the main characters are, are young adults and it's clean. Yes. So yes. it's kind of, it's kind of a bridge Though, between. Let's be honest, young adult fiction or fantasy fiction is starting to get less and less clean these days. <laughs> it's true. It's true. More about that later. In one of the other questions. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. So between the two, then I went and looked at their websites and other things they had published. And one of them, the cover art looked cheap mm. on all of their books. I don't want cheap cover art on my book. Right. Mm-hmm. The other one, the cover art didn't blow me away, but it was nice. 
Yes. And when, it, especially when it comes to fantasy, like there's a certain look to a fantasy novel that you just have to kind of hit, mm-hmm. you know, it just, it's expected. And so I understand why that would be so important to you. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So it was a combination of it's what was available and of what, of what was available. This looked like the best option. Which is kind of sad to say that that's how it goes. But I mean, that's, true for a lot of conferences that people go to with the purpose to pitch to an agent or an editor. And oftentimes they find that when it comes to fiction, the options are very limited. And then you narrow it down to genre, like not every agent is willing to take on certain genres. That's not to say a negative thing about agents or editors not being willing to take certain genres. That's a business decision that they have to make. But when it comes to having you know, limited options to pitch to, it just, it can be really discouraging as a fiction writer. Yes. Yeah. So I do, I do think that was good that you walked into that with an attitude of wanting to just learn from it and practice because it could be discouraging. Like, oh, these are my only two options. Like hopefully something happens, you know? Um, So that's good that you walked into it. So you got the book contract. How long did it take them to publish it? Like how long was the turnaround time? from contract to publication? It was about three years. Okay. Okay. That's a long time. That is a long time. I had a lot of issues with timing and communication. Okay. And a big part of it was probably that it happened right at the pandemic. Oh, yes. Your poor book. Yes, it was, <laughs> one of it those. was terrible timing. <laughs> yes, terrible timing. And so being a very small publisher, they had very small staff. Several of their staff were sick. Yeah, at various times, yeah. Inappro- inconvenient times. Inconvenient times, yep, exactly. Yeah. Oh, but man. But the other problem is they didn't really do well at the scheduling and, and handling those situations the 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 person who was my initial contact did not communicate at all mm. ever mm. i waited months and months to hear anything and finally when i wrote she would send back a one sentence reply of it's fine i'll let you know yeah it's fine i'll let you know mm. two years went by of that Oh, my goodness. And you can't get out of it because you're in a contract, right? Right. Well, in my contract, it was if the book's not published within 12 months, I had the right to get out of the contract. So why did you choose to stay in it? Because I thought maybe it's just this one person. Mm. So I wrote to the, the head of the publishing company. And explain to her the situation. This is what's going on. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me what's going on? Can you ex- give me more information? Right. And she immediately wrote back, oh, I'm so sorry. This is the first time hearing of this. I'll get on it myself. I'll get things right. moving. And she did start to get things moving right away. And so okay. then I was like, okay, that was it. It's fine. The problem is it didn't last long. Yes. As oftentimes those situations, that's what happens, right? The, yeah. the boss kind of says something, the person puts eyes on it for a little bit more, 
be is a little bit more attentive to it and then it starts to fizzle out again because probably she had too much on her plate and couldn't handle mm-hmm. the demand and then you throw in all the various nuances of the you know challenges that the pandemic brings along that is a drawback of working with a smaller publisher is that they they just don't have the same level of yes. staff or the same level to handle when those disruptions come yeah and and i was i tried to be very understanding with the with the delays and the setbacks my my biggest frustration was with the communication because the yeah. communication never improved they told me over and over and over again they would promise me here i'll get you this information tomorrow Mm, and then never came and they would never follow up on it they would never get back to me and say i'm sorry we're working on it i would wait a week two weeks and then finally i'd contact them and then they would say oh yeah yeah sorry about that we'll get it i'll get it to you in the next couple of days yeah and you know they still wouldn't to be honest you're not the only person that i've heard that kind of um challenge from as far as like working with different publishers like or agents even like I sent an email but nobody responded to me and I think especially for us as writers who like that you know we're in this whole world of writing and communication so then to not have somebody communicate what's going even just to say like this is a situation this is when I'll get it to you and then deliver on that like it feels weird <laughs> like, yeah. come on we're all like we're in this writing industry we are in the whole industry of communication why is the communication so bad like it should it shouldn't be this way so it's just such a frustration but it comes down to people being overworked and under-resourced and you know all the things that always but it shouldn't be that way it shouldn't be that way especially when a publisher is working with a, a writer and they're saying like oh we're in this partnership together you're not an employee of the publisher right you are right you're in a partnership with them they should be communicating to you Yes. And, and the worst part is they ended up sabotaging the book launch, sabotaging themselves and me at the same time because of the lack of communication, of the lack of communication, because they they told me they promised me they would give me information about getting advanced reader copies to get out to people. Yeah. They never did. I never oh. got access to advanced reader copies. And yeah. they did not give me a release date until two weeks before. Oh, my gosh. Okay, like what I are you supposed no to do time. with that? Yeah, I had okay. no time to set up anything. So, okay, I I vaguely remember, like I knew you were, had been working on a book because I've been following you for a while now. I mean, we mm-hmm. met, met in Hope Writers and I've been like following you on Instagram and I had like, no, like, I knew you were working on a book and then I knew you had gotten the book deal. But then all of a sudden it seemed like, to me, it seemed like, oh, the book's coming out. And I was like, wait, how did I miss all of that? But you're saying that, it was like that for you too. Like, yes, it was. Oh gosh, it's coming. What do we do? Yeah. yeah. Oh my goodness. How awful. <laughs> yeah. And especially, so because especially of that, after like, this is something that has been, you have been working on for years and years and years mm-hmm. and to not give it its fanfare that it deserved. That had to be really tough. Yeah. So there were like a dozen people who had, who had read it as beta readers and, and if, some of them pre-ordered, I don't know how many of them, but it's just a very small number. And I had like three or four reviews on launch day, which is terrible. You want to get yeah. a bunch of yeah. pre-orders and reviews on launch day to really get rolling on the mm-hmm. Amazon algorithm. And right. Got nothing. Is it a true traditional publisher in that like they acquired you, they gave you an advance, they did all the production costs and everything? It's not a hybrid, right? Like is a true traditional 
It's a true traditional. Okay. They so, they paid. I didn't pay for any of it. Okay. They paid all the costs. They did not send me an advance, but that's actually common with small publishers. Okay. So then it, it's more based off of royalties then? Yes. Okay. As a matter of fact, advances are also based off yes. of royalties. Yes. They're just expected have, royalties. Yes, exactly. <laughs> They're prepaying you your share of the profit. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it's not a... Yeah, I have a it's whole... It's not a bonus. A whole opinion on all of that, but conversation for another time. Did they do any projected um, book sales with you? Did they say like, oh, this is what we were thinking or anything like that? Did they give you any kind of guidance in that area? Um, two times they said they tried to arrange a phone call with me to discuss marketing, publicity, business side of things. Didn't happen either time. Okay. Um, and then two or three times they said, well, after each failed call Mm -hmm. and once or twice, otherwise, when I asked about it, they said, oh, I'll send you something. I'll get get you together the information and answer all your questions in an email. Mm. That never came either. Man, you just really did not have a good, like when you say you did not have a good experience of working with this small publisher, you really mean you did not have a good experience. Nothing. I'm so sorry. I feel so bad for you because I'm like, that's not how it's supposed to be, right? Right. Oh man. So with your contract, like, are you able to do anything on your end to like kind of relaunch it and rework it and like as far as the marketing side goes? I'm sure if I wanted to put the effort in, I could put together some kind of post-publication launch. Okay. You do have the freedom to do something like that then. Oh, well, yes. that's good. So do you, like, that kind of brings me to one of my questions. I want to ask you, know, like, we're entrepreneurs, really, when we're writers, we're, these, we're in this online entrepreneurial space, even though we don't realize it when we first go in. I mean, we're oftentimes, novelists are like you. They're like, oh, fun idea. I want to share it with the world. And then they get into this world and they're like, oh, my gosh, what did I get myself into? Like, I didn't know I had to learn all this stuff. Like, I just wanted to tell a story. Um, is that, has that been the case for you? Are you like, oh my goodness, I don't know if I have like the, like, I don't know if I want to put on this entrepreneurial hat or are you like, I'm okay. I think I'm getting my feet underneath me with it. I absolutely want nothing to do with that side of it. <laughs> You're, I appreciate your honesty. Not everybody does. I would be perfectly happy to sit back and just stay in my cave and do nothing but write and, you know, what happened, what will. So has your book sold, like, do you know how many copies your book has sold? There's another ongoing issue is, of course, it's, it's on Amazon, but I can't, it's through the publisher's account. So I can't look at the numbers directly. Yeah. I've heard that too, from other friends of mine who, Mm -hmm. same thing. They're like, I, I don't, Getting information on analytics is so tough. Yeah. So. Yeah. So they they get they get a quarterly report and payment from Amazon, mm-hmm. which they then summarize and send me my part. Okay. So far, I've had one quarterly report. Okay. How long has the book been out? Came out in February. So you should have had at least like two. Yes. Right. <laughs> Oh, Kevin, I'm like, oh, my heart is breaking for you. I totally understand. 
what you mean. So where do you think you're going to go from here? Like you had this kind of tough experience. Do you feel like you have another story in you? Do you feel like you need to do more with the one that you have currently? Like, do you feel like you need to do more to get it out in front of more people? Or are you like, it's here, it's available. I have this other one that I'm going to go towards. And maybe as people learn about this one, they'll learn about that one. It, like, where are you at in your kind of overarching writing journey? I am tired is where I'm at. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. You know, I would like to have a way to get it out in front of people. Um, I still, I have a box of books that I carry around in the car with me. And just yesterday I sold two copies in person. Nice. I have an idea for another novel mm -hmm. set in the same world that actually would be a prequel. Okay. Which is a funny story. Um, Tell me because it. It, it, <laughs> it came from a misunderstanding. Oh, okay. Yes. When I, when I first, one of the early editions of my book, some of the first, one of the first test readers I gave it to, part of her feedback was, well, there's all this, these magical abilities that are just coming out of nowhere. Oh. And so I was like, oh, well, I should give more of the backstory of the magic and how it was developed and what she meant was it needed more foreshadowing. Oh. <laughs> she didn't know how to express that, but that I yeah. eventually figured out that that's what she meant. But by then I had already thought of, because there is a backstory mm. um, where the main plot point is that there's this curse that's been on these people for generations. Mm -hmm. And there's one scene that's kind of a, uh, one of the characters has a vision of how the curse was, of when the curse was put on his people, on his okay. ancestors. So okay. you get this little snippet of flashback showing the, just the few minutes around the curse happening. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot more to that, that part of the story that you never see. Okay. And so I decided I would go back and write that story. So that's the one that you have in mind? It is. And I actually okay. started it. Um, I did a whole um, outline. Okay. And started writing. Because you're not going to pants it this time. Exactly. Not totally. <laughs> not it's totally. A, it's I think, not a you know, I think people are, I think people sometimes misunderstand, like when, when people are saying like, oh, you need to actually plot out the, the story. They're not saying like, you can't come with a premise or come with an idea or that even you can explore as your, but to at least have some sort of structure in which, because creativity thrives in structure as much as we hate it as, you know, creatives, we tend to be more like free spirited, but like we need structure for our creativity to really flourish. And that's what you're giving your story when you plot it out a little bit. Yes. Yes. The, the trouble I'm having with it is I haven't fallen in love with it like I did the first one. Do you think that's from your experience with the publisher? Like a little bit of, oh no, okay. No. You just think it's. I think it's just the story isn't as exciting to me. Mm. Um, I, there's not as much action and adventure in it. And that's the part I really love. Oh, because it's more of an explanation of how it all came about. Exactly. Yeah. And there, there is some action in there, but there's not as much 
Um, like not it much at stake. Yeah. So it almost seems like you need to bring the story earlier, even maybe that the stake is, can we avoid this curse or not? I actually am starting before the, the curse happens okay. near the end of the story. Well, there you go. This will be interesting. I'm like, now I'm all intrigued. <laughs> like, how are you going to, how are you going to, how are you going to um, uh, resolve this little quandary you find yourself in of not being in love with the story? Like, how can yeah. you raise the stakes a little bit so you're invested in it? And I think that's like, if you're not invested in it, is the reader going to be invested in it? Right. Yeah. Right. Because, I mean, there are stakes that are pretty high, but you don't see them. It doesn't feel as immediate and intense. And the characters right. aren't put in life-threatening situations. Like they are in your current novel. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Well, this is, I think, a good time for us to kind of um, dive into the question about the fact that your book is not technically a Christian novel, right? It's not overtly Christian. It doesn't mention God. Was that an intentional decision? Is that just how the story unfolded for you? Um, kind of where do you land in that whole, like, if I'm a Christian writing this, should it say God in it? You know, how did you make that decision for this novel? Um, I just wanted to write this story that came into my okay. head. And, and the story was just this fantasy world and these people. Mm. Um, I've always had some mild distaste and not not my preference to read stories that seem to preach at me. Mm-hmm. You know, even take a, a fiction story and if it's clearly the whole thing is modeled around a point they're trying to make. Yep. It kills the story. It does completely. I and I did not want that. I mean, you mentioned... C.S. Lewis and Tolkien and, and these people who are able to give a world that reflected their worldview, their mm -hmm. Christian worldview, without being preachy, but that pointed back to the creator, you know. And so it sounds like you're trying to do the same thing in this novel. You're just trying to let the story unfold and let your worldview influence it as you wrote instead of trying to create a Christian novel or Christian story. Or a story for Christians, however you want to phrase it. Right, right. And, well, it's my firm belief that you can't avoid putting your worldview into the story. I agree. 100%. We write from who we are. And so I'm a believer. I have certain strong values, and that absolutely comes out in my story. But it comes out naturally because I didn't put it there artificially. If you insert it artificially, it's going to read artificial. If you just write the characters how you think the characters are then it's going to come out naturally so the characters have a religion and so they worship a god that i call the god of light and there are but there are specific reasons for that in the in the plot in the storyline that you discover as the story unfolds and you learn more about the nature of their magic okay. because their, their magic is strongly based in their religion. Okay. Yeah. I put that in because it naturally fit. That's who they are. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's, it's a part of their world as much as um, the magic system and 
the politics and everything else. It's part of the world building. It's not something I inserted with a purpose. If I want it to look like this, it just yeah. everything kind of grew organically to fit the story. I love that. And I love how you described that about if we artificially insert it, it's going to read artificially. But if we naturally let it develop in the story, it will feel natural to the reader and they will receive it and experience it that way as well. Mm-hmm. I love how you said that. And that's very wise in the way that you approach that. Not being overtly Christian or overtly secular, did that make it difficult to find a publisher? That's actually difficult to know, I think, because there are so many hurdles and barriers. Um, I think the bigger barrier was just figuring out how to, to pitch it to make it sound like what they're looking for. There are some Christian publishers that look for overtly Christian things, mm-hmm. and I didn't fit those. Right. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. I don't think it excluded me from any of the secular publishers automatically. Okay. Because I didn't have to present it as Christian themed. True, true. This is an action-adventure novel mm. that's clean enough for young readers. Got it. And so if that's what they wanted, there would be nothing in the way of them picking it up, I think. So your book is a fantasy novel. What kind of challenges did you, what kind of challenges do you face as a fantasy writer as far as marketing and promotion and all that goes? What kind of challenges do you come up against, especially since it's YA fantasy? The fantasy stories that I fell in love with were the classic old school fantasies. And, but a lot of them had issues Mm. with chauvinism, cultural Mm. things that just hadn't been worked out yet. And they all tended to have these strong male leaders as the main character. If there was any romance, it was kind of on the sideline and sometimes it wasn't treated very well. Right. So, but I loved the action and adventure side of it and that mm-hmm. it did so well. Yeah. Well, in modern young adults in particular, mm-hmm. has the pendulum has swung so far the other way. It's mostly romance. It's mostly romance yeah. to the point where all the genres, all the subgenres of young adult, if it's contemporary, it's contemporary romance. Mm-hmm. If it's science fiction, it's romance in a science fiction setting if it's fantasy it's romance in a fantasy setting and interesting I don't want to read that no (laughs) no so so what the story I wrote is the kind of story I love but updated to kind of resolve some of the issues of the classic ones okay so I have some strong female point of view characters and so on and but the romance is way toned down. There is a little sideline of romance. Okay. But it's not the main focus. It's mainly action adventure. Okay. That makes sense. The problem is the readers who like that, I think a lot of them have oh. given up on young adults. I think and you're so right. When they see young adult, they, oh, I don't want to read another one of those. That's interesting and a really good point. That just adds another layer of difficulty to marketing. If yes. your reader doesn't know, that that is what you're going to pick up and get because that's not what the current market has for them. Mm-hmm. Mm, you have to like double down and explaining it. That is really yes. interesting. 
It's really tough. A friend of mine got the book for her teenage son. And after I talked to her and she figured he would like it, he like on there, they had a drive all day drive and he read it in one day in that drive, went all the way through it and then said, mom, can I loan this to my friend? He'll love it. Oh my gosh. I hope you got it. I hope you got a testimonial from him and put it on your website. And no, I don't. Unfortunately, I should. I should. <laughs> Go get that. It's that testimonial and be like, even teenage boys like this book. <laughs> I think especially teenage boys. Because that's a really tough crowd. That's a tough sell. It is. It is. That's the group that has mainly given up. I think there yes. a lot of teenage boys don't read because they're not finding books that they enjoy. Yes. Anybody will read if they find books they enjoy. I agree. 100%. But the market is so heavily marketed toward girls right now. Mm-hmm. Especially in the, the boys YA. are being left out, especially in the YA. That's interesting. I know you're still kind of in the beginning phase of it, but are you thinking that you're going to pitch to another um, publisher in the future? Does your current publisher have like first right of refusal? Like where are you at with that whole they, contract side of things? They do have right to first refusal, which from what I understand means I have to offer it to them first. I don't have to accept a contract. Oh, okay. That's good to, to know. Me. That's good to know. They they have the right to say yes or no first, but even if they say yes, I can still say no. Not I don't a like good fit for me. Okay. Yeah. That's good to know because then it, it doesn't feel like you're trapped. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. So. so I think I might try to self-publish it on my next one mm. if I get to that point. Yeah. Because first, you got to fall in love with the story, right? Exactly. First, I got to fall in love with the story. But now that I've been through the process with a small publisher and I kind of have seen just the bare nuts and bolts of what is required to get it out there, Mm -hmm. I think everything they did for me, I could have done 10 times faster. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There is something empowering once you get through the whole, you know, the whole um, process. That you are then like, okay, I've seen it all the way through. I can actually maybe just replicate this on my own and it might be better for me. So as we wrap up, I want to just ask you a couple more questions. Okay. As a writer who's a few, a little bit further down the road than some of those who are listening, what advice would you give to um, a brand new fantasy writer who's trying to navigate this world? I would say... First of all, hold on to your love for the story. Mm. Whatever it takes for you to do that, if you can hold on to your love for the story, you can figure out everything else. Mm. Um, And I think a big part of that is keep on reading stories that you enjoy. Okay. Yeah, that's solid advice. That's good. Because, I mean, not only is that going to keep you encouraged and motivated and and kind of fill your well you're also picking up things that you don't even maybe consciously realize about craft and what makes the stories good especially as you start to learn about craft if you're Mm -hmm. also reading then you'll start seeing it in application and it will really help true so true is there any kind of resource or tool that you're like okay if you are a fantasy writer you need to know about this I really think part of it depends on your natural strengths and weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, I had to get the emotion thesaurus. Mm. 
Yeah, it's like a series, right? Or is it just one? It time? is. It it's is a series. Like there's the emotions thesaurus, the emotional wound thesaurus. The, yeah. And you can find those on Amazon, Amazon, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. I just, yes. somebody just recommended one to me the other day and I was like, I've never heard of these before, but I could see how they're very beneficial to have. <laughs> yes. I mean, it's just, it's like a, a dictionary where you can look up an emotion and it will give you, here are different ways of expressing that emotion. Here's how that emotion comes out in these situations. Mm-hmm. Here's some facial expressions and body language that express it. Just all these different ways of, of showing the emotion rather than just saying, he was very angry. Yeah. I could see how that would come in handy, especially. Okay. So your novel is around how many words? It's around 80,000. Okay. Yeah. Typically fantasy tends to be on the longer side. Um, mm-hmm. Even though that's a little bit shorter than I think I've heard like up to like a hundred thousand yes. words, kind of somewhere between 80 and a hundred thousand is kind of the, the camp you want to land in if you're writing fantasy. Um, right. And and there's different factors, like the, the fact that it, it's more YA tends to be on the lower end of the range. Okay, that makes sense. Well, Kevin, I have impre- I have so appreciated just hearing your story, hearing your journey. I think that um, it will be really beneficial for brand new writers who are trying to navigate this whole publishing world, navigate this whole business side of of publishing a story, of having the story that you love and wanting to share it with readers and not knowing where to begin or where to start. And it just kind of gives a little bit of warning, like know what you're getting yourself into. Mm-hmm. Um, know that when you're working with a smaller publisher, it has its benefits, but it also has its challenges. You might get picked right. up really quickly, but then you might have some problems once you get picked up. And so just going into it with open eyes and and um, that level of wisdom that, you know, it is a business. And you can stick up for yourself and you can advocate and just keep saying like, hey, I need this information. I need you to communicate better to me. Like that is your, you know, as a writer, you deserve to be able to be communicated with when it's your story that you've put so much time and energy into. And so I appreciate you being so open and honest about this journey and the challenges. I hope that you are entering into a period of rest and restoration when it comes to writing and that um, you'll be able to not only maybe craft your next novel, fall in love with it and craft that next novel, but also that your current novel, and it's called Song of the Adele, adult. I, I asked you earlier and I've already forgotten. How do you say it again? Adele. Adele, which it's a lovely, I was reading the description. I'm like, I, this is definitely on my, um, my next to read uh, from fiction. Uh, that list gets so long, doesn't it? My to be read yes. list is so long, but it's such a, it has, it seems like such a lovely story. And so I'm really excited to dive into it, but I just really hope for you that you're entering into a, a, a time where people begin to hear about your story and it gets picked up and, and passed along to others. And that it makes the impact that you really hope that people get to experience the story that you so love so dearly. And so I hope that this podcast is helps in doing that and getting the word out about your your book and i'll definitely link to it in the show notes and um how else can listeners stay connected with you especially for future publications (laughs) how can they stay connected with you i have a website which is kevinkeenauthor.com i have a facebook author page which is kevin king author and I have an Instagram account, which is Kevin King author. 
And you do flash fiction on your and Instagram. I do flash, yes. In They're fact, very good. They're very good. I read them. <laughs> thank you. That That is what has kept me writing because on my the other novel that I'm working on, I'm stuck. I haven't mm. gotten anything new, but I keep writing the flash fiction to keep flowing because I have to keep it. Yeah, you, know, you do. It's, and it's just you know, fun. It gives it me a variety fun. of things. Well, thank you again for coming and sharing your journey with us. I appreciate it. And for those of you who are listening, make sure you come back next week as we continue this conversation about the business of Christian fiction. Bye.